Nowadays, introducing the original Blood Clad Podcast, not BS. Told in semantic. Special dedication, all the way from New York. Boom! Yeah, man, SWOT semantic. Yeah, man, oh. Boom! Sued in semantic. Yeah, man, Big up to the man, yeah. Sued in semantic. On another episode of Soothing Semantics, I am your host, Rafi Pinsky, and today we have a guest I'm very happy to have on the show. Uh, Alone, what's going on, brother? Not too bad, my man. Thank you for having me. How, how often do people pronounce your name wrong, dude? Uh, every day. Every single day, multiple people. They, people probably call you Alan or... Alan, Elon, Alon, Alan, Alone. I get it all. Well, I mean, I would just make the classic dad joke about being alone because that's what I like. Any any friend I had that's Israeli that uh, has that name, I would just make the stupid corny jokes. But um, with, with that being said, dude, as I as I mentioned to you prior to airing to actually uh, recording the episode, I love your content, and I think you're going to take it very far because I see you're you're already collaborating with people who have large followings, and you have a decent following yourself, dude. But you're gonna yeah, you're going to go places. I have no question. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I'm glad you like to watch it. And I just hope you're taking something from it when you watch it. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I definitely, I don't have any investments right now. I don't have any real estate investments. And quite honestly, you have been one of the main people I've been looking at when I am ready to go and buy property. And, uh, you know, when I'm going to decide what kind of method I plan on using, yeah. You know, you've been somebody that I've been looking at. So, you know, there's you. I look at uh, Chris Crone. You've heard of him? Never. Yeah. So I think, I think he, I might have seen him liking one of your things. Maybe he follows you even. But uh, there's him. He's a, he's a newer guy. And then I used to follow Grant Cardone. Not so much anymore. No, uh, he's, he's I don't guy. follow that many people, to be honest, on the, on the real estate uh, who else I'm trying to think? That's pretty much it, dude. Like, you're you one of the few that I follow. Antoine? That's the reality. Do you follow Antoine? No. He's good, too. You should give him a follow. He's great. I'll check. I'll definitely check it out. I, I also, your cousin also, I, I definitely check out also. He's, awesome. had, he's very good with TikTok. He's always got these creative TikToks. Dude, he has taken off on TikTok. He's got... So people recognize him in Manhattan, in Miami, wherever he goes. It's crazy. Wow, really? It's so sick. Yeah, the power of TikTok. And he's been gaining like a 1,000 followers a day on Instagram, all from TikTok. Damn. Yeah, he's, he's very creative. He does um, – I've seen a bunch of the clips, man, but he's funny. He, he'll, he, did one, he did one that cracked me up like a week ago or so. He, it showed different angles, and he kind of just made this, this face like – you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll show it to you if you don't know which one I'm talking about. But he was there was one angle where he like he peeks his head out behind this wall and he goes, "Yeah, yeah." I forgot I what it was about, but I was cracking up because he it was it was smooth. It was very good. He does a lot of realtor related uh, jokes and TikToks because he's a realtor, right? You know, he's actually on his way to my house right now. Um, I'm gonna tell him, "Don't come to the sauna on a podcast." <laughs> I am not against doing one with both of you, by the way, but. Uh, now that we already started this, we'll just do a, you know, one-on-one. But let me so, tell you, we grew up together, David and I, and we're uh, we're like brothers. You know, he's my cousin, but we're like brothers. So we always talk over each other, and we're like, you know, you shut up. No, you shut up. And we're like, we bounce ideas off each other, and we finish each other's sentences, but we're always like, you know, we grew up since we were babies together. That's dope, dude. I wish I had that, man. I can't say I, can't say I have that. So it's pretty awesome to have like a cousin your age and you're both doing real estate, you know, I'm sure you both probably help each other out tremendously. Oh yeah. Anytime I'm doing anything in uh, I, or I want to do anything in areas with um, you know, certain zoning regulations or when you have to build vertical, I call David right away. If I'm looking at anything in the Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, I'm like, David, what do you think? What's going on? I call him dull. You know, dull is his real name. Um, and if he looks to do anything in Long Island, he's calling me, sending me stuff that he's looking to do or be part of. And uh, 
and we all figure it out together. I'm building a project in West Hampton Beach right now. Um, and he's going to be the one that sells it out. You know, he's got first dibs on anything I do because he is my family and he's an amazing realtor. He's very good at what he does. So, uh, so yeah, we definitely collaborate all the time. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I told you I'm a new agent, so yeah. I was doing the hard money loans before. Okay. I have, I have about two years of sales, ex- sales experience prior, but I'm, I'm naturally, uh, you know, I have the gift of gab. I'm very communicative. Like I can say these things very proudly and uh, real estate after COVID happened, hard money lending just wasn't doing so well. I mean, there are plenty of people I'm sure were doing well, but I was working with a friend. He had a small company. So COVID gave me perspective. I realized I didn't like it. I did. I did well with it, but I realized that it just wasn't my thing and I had no long-term goal with it. And I thought about real estate I decided, hell, like, why the fuck wouldn't I do it? I took the exam. I passed. I joined Keller Williams, and I, I, mean, I love it. I'm enjoying the shit out of it. So, you know, I know it's going to be a long road, but I'm, I'm learning constantly. And uh, I've, I've really just been learning so many things, and a lot of things I'm sure you already know, uh, being that you've been in real estate for, you know, several years. How many years have you been doing it? Three and a half, four and before that, you had no, I mean, you started buying property only three or four years ago? Yeah. Wow. I thought I'm you were doing only, this. I'm 24. That's crazy. How, where are you based? I'm in Miami. I'm from Brooklyn. I grew up in Brooklyn. Okay. But you live in Miami right now, so you're selling in Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 26, so not that much older, but you've been doing this since you were very young. You started at 20. Yeah, yeah. Is your family, do you have, are your, your parents and grandparents involved in it? Or this is just, you know, kind of you and David just got into it. So uh, my parents have, a, when I got into it, my parents had like two multifamily houses, um, two or three multifamily houses. One of those we lived in. So uh, they house hacked their first home. Then they said, this is amazing. You know, like we, their our tenants are paying our bills. So over the course of like 15 years, my parents saved up. They bought another home. They saved up. They bought another home, and at that point, I turned 20, and uh, I was doing e-commerce and all these things, and my parents had a furniture store, um, and Dave- Show that video too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, with my mom, and the Dave- end was hilarious. The end of it was funny, because your mom didn't want to kind of get in the video. And- yeah, she's the best, and uh, David was always selling real estate, and I'm like, you know, I don't want to get a real job, so I'm going to buy my first property, and- take the leap, uh, borrow hard money. At that time, I borrowed 12, at 12% in two points. Um, and today I'm getting offers at like 8% in one point, you know, uh, which I still haven't even taken anyone up on yet. I'm more institutional now. But you take a lot of hard money? No, not at all. No, I have no hard money loans right now. I did. I'll be honest, man. I was doing more than that. So 12%, I was, I was doing loan. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, you were, in, you were in a cash advance game, it sounds like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I was borrowing with collateralized real estate. I was never desperate. You know, an attorney lent me the money on the first time, 12 and 2. He kept the 2, gave the 12 to the investor. I borrowed like 200 grand or whatever it was, and I paid it back through the rent and my income through my e-commerce business. Then I had no mortgage on the property. I refied, and I did some more, and I just snowballed. You know, I just got very aggressive. I'm very aggressive. And... um I was still in college at this point. So I was just buying houses as fast as I can. So I didn't have to get a job out of college and it worked out. And you, you, did you have college tuition and and did you use it to, to pay off all the debt or? No, no, I, I went into college day one, paid my paid, uh, paid college straight up. I took advantage of any financial aid I could. I was always, uh, independent on my own. So my parents didn't file me as a dependent, um, cause I had my own income. So, uh, I got uh, almost, I got like, I don't know, a three-quarter scholarship into school, and then the rest I paid in cash. Uh, I always worked. You know, I, I sacrificed a social life when I was younger to uh, be able to do the things that I'm doing now. I'm so into that, man. I'm so on that wagon, man. I also, uh, I worked as a waiter for eight years. I always, I took summers, uh, took summers and did college through a lot of my summers, I worked out well. I always was working in the summer. I was always like that. Uh, I'll, I mean, I'll give you more of a backstory off of the podcast only because people that have watched my show have heard my story already. 
Cool. So I'll definitely like go into it more, but I want this to be more about you. So, but yeah, I, dude, I'm all about that. And this is, this is kind of wild. Some people that I've been friends with over the past couple of years, I just don't relate to them anymore because yeah, yeah. they're just a lot more into the vacation half the time, work half the time. For me, when I'm in my thirties and forties, I don't want to have this issue of, oh, I need to work to make sure that these expenses are covered. I can't, that whole mentality is just nowhere near where I want to be. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you obviously understand because you just explained it to me. Yeah. I'm so on that wagon, dude. So I'm good at communication. I'm good at networking. I'm an aggressive person. I know, you know, I don't know you. I DM'd you. This is how I got a few other people. And this is what I'm going to do. I DM'd Ryan Serhant. And I have it in my schedule every single Wednesday at 4.05 p.m. Every fucking week, I'm going to DM him. I don't care if it takes me three years. He's eventually going to, I'm telling you, he's eventually going to be like, all right, man, oh, yeah. no problem. And that's, what it, that's how life is, especially in, in, in business. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. You have to be persistent. You have to find the right angles and uh, find the right people and then figure out how to maximize that relationship with those people. That is key to everything. Mm-hmm. key to everything you know i'm uh i'm very good friends with all of my investors and my partners um i only i almost only like to work with my friends or people i could see myself being friends with and uh and we're not only friends you know we're we're friends because we do things together and uh and i maximize those relationships and they maximize it with me any way i can help them any way they can help me um and in between, right, we play tennis, we go out at night, we uh, go on vacations together. Uh, people laugh because my friends are in their like 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. And then I have a few in their like 20s, you know, but I don't see the age. Uh, I see really just the relationship we have and what we bring to each other and the value and, you know, how long, how long that could last for. Well, uh, you're kind of an old soul, dude, because most 24-year-olds are doing jack shit. <laughs> just the reality. Most, a lot of, I'm two years older than you. Most people my age are. There people, most people in general, especially at 24 years old, do not have, what is it, $14 million worth of, of real estate? Probably, probably, right now. probably more than that now. You're 24 years old. That's, most people don't have that period. Most people don't have real estate to begin with. At most, they have a house. Yeah. So you're, you're, already, you're already where most people won't ever even be, and you're you're not even in the first quarter of your life. So I think that's why you tend to relate and correct me if I'm wrong. That's why you probably relate to people a lot older than you, because those are the people that generally share that similarity. People in their forties and fifties, because most people in their twenties don't aren't doing this. Yeah. And, and a lot of people in their forties and fifties there, they don't even own real estate. They're just coming to me and they're like, I have a million dollars, you know, and figure, do something with it. And I'm like, okay, great. And this is oh, what I can do. Wow. They do that with you all the time. I, you'd be surprised. Um, I've got, you know, a few years ago, I got an investor through social media. He saw what I was doing online and I was barely posting back then. I mean, if you scroll down, you see like posted once every three weeks and sometimes I'd post a story and then I got invited to a podcast and I was on this podcast because the people knew that I was buying properties at like 21. And, um, this investor who's a fantastic guy, he's a good friend of mine now. And he was like, uh, I saw what you're doing. I listened to you. I think you're well above your years. Um, I have $800,000. What can you do with it? And I was like, well, this is what I can do with it. Um, let's go. And, and lo and behold, 10 days later, I had uh, an investment of 800000 in my bank account. And that was into three properties immediately. We've already done another two buildings together with this partner, um, me and this partner. And, uh, you know, we have a few million in real estate together just from that one podcast. So uh, because of that, I decided like a few months ago, a few uh, back a year ago when this happened, I said, okay, I'm going to need to invest in uh, social media sooner or later. And I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm confident in front of a camera. I never had that issue. I'm very lucky. Um, and, uh, and I think that has to do with the fact that I know what I'm, I feel like I know what I'm talking about. I read a lot. You know, I study my whole life. I, I genuinely love to learn. And, um, You're very articulate too, man. Very articulate. Thank you. So I ended up hiring Steve, who's my videographer. Uh, and I don't know how to edit. I don't know how to do any of that stuff at all. I don't even know how to connect oh, the really? money. I have no idea. I don't even know how to use TikTok. 
I thought I, I realized you had some guys that worked on your behalf with the editing, but I thought you were doing like a nice amount of it. No, I post everything. So everything that goes up or all the comments and responses I write and all the captions, everything I write, I post everything. I watch it before it goes up and I make sure it's me, you know, but I don't do any of the editing at all. I don't crop it. I don't, I don't set up the mics. I don't set up most appointments. You just happen to DM me right at the perfect time. And you're just like me. You said right now, let's do this now. And I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it right now. You know, and uh, I like I'm all that. about that, dude. I'm all about that. I'm, I'm very, I can say I am a very ballsy person. And I think for me, it's just a matter of time with real estate. Unless, unless I die, unless I get hit with a tr- by a truck, God forbid, I'm, I'm balls to the wall with this. And, I, and the best part about the podcast and real estate is that I love both of them. And I think that they're both, they can both be beautifully intertwined. Yeah. A hundred percent. Podcasting is fantastic content. I'm going to launch launch one of my own sooner or later. It's yeah. just I'm I'm very busy um, during the days, and most people don't want to hop on after hours or on weekends. So it's been difficult for me to schedule with people, uh, you know. And and a lot of people that I know or I want to get on are like they just leave, you know, on the weekends. They'll do weekend trips somewhere, and they don't they can't do it virtual. So I need to get them in my office. But like I have, I have investors and friends that run, one runs a company worth like $8 billion. Another one, another one has a, has a company with 500 employees. So like they're, they're really difficult to get a hold of Monday through Friday at a certain time, you know, mm-hmm. for an investment, it's easy because it's a text. I'll shoot them a text, say, Hey, I'm looking at this. I need 600 grand. What do you think? And then the text back, if they like it, is usually the money's on its way to the account. And it's, it's become that easy for me to raise money now because people trust me. They've seen the results. They like what they see. You know, they know how hardworking I am and how much love and I put into it. And I let everybody be hands-on. I'm very transparent. You want to be involved in design? Be involved in design. You know, but we collaborate. We work together for the same end goal. And because of that, I, I've been doing very well with partners. I think that's a big, you know, my perception of you and your, and your platform is you don't really, you don't walk around taking all these posy pictures. You aren't constantly wearing this suit with like this crazy clean haircut. You're, you're, you have this kind of casual nature to you, but at the same time, you're, you, you can tell that you're very serious about your work. So I think you just have this trust factor. You have this persona, no, it's not a persona, it's who you are. But uh, you just seem like a trustworthy dude. So when you have trust connected with an aggressive work ethic, I think that's, you know, that's all. There's no reason why an investor wouldn't want to work with you because they know the job will get done. They know they have someone they can, they can work with that'll, that'll do their due diligence, that, are, that will do their due diligence. <laughs> and at the same time, they don't feel like they're going to get fucked over. So, you know, that's, that's how I see it. Uh, yeah, thank First off, thank you so much for those compliments. That was very nice. And that's all through just seeing each other on social media. And I really appreciate that. Um, so real stuff, man. It's, it's, you know, I'm a New Yorker too. So I'm, just, yeah. I'm just telling you what I, you know, what, my, what I think. Yeah. You know, you know, another reason I say I'm lucky is because when I was young, uh, younger, when I was like 14, I was doing like 60, I was making like 40 to $70,000 a year on e-commerce. So uh, back then, I'm making this kind of crazy money as a kid. And, I, you know, I became a little douchey and like, uh, you know, I'm making this. So I'm going to buy my dream car. I was 16. I bought myself an M6. And uh, I started buying all these things and going to all these, like doing all these crazy things that nobody my age was doing that I knew about, right? And now it's a different era with YouTubers and everything. But this was back, we're talking 10 years ago. Um, and... As the time just went on, I said, this isn't me. You know, I don't really care about any of this stuff. So I traded in my, uh, well, I loved my car because it was fun. But I traded in my car. I got a pickup truck. I said, this will be better for the real estate. If any of my guys ever need to use it, I could let them use it. Um, and I, I bought a beat up car too at the time. And um, I, uh, 
I had never had jewelry. I liked watches because of the mechanics of the watches when I got to understand them. But then I stopped liking that as well. And I didn't want to do anything flashy. It was just like, this is not who I am as a person. Like I want to buy more and do more and build more because it's so cool. You know, it intrigues me. I love, I love the dynamics of business. I just genuinely love business. And um, that young experience let me change my ways in my 20s. And now when I see people that show me like, expensive jewelry or they try and show me those things it doesn't move me you know i don't it doesn't i don't care about that stuff it it doesn't impress me at all it's it's more so when i meet people and they show me how their business works is when i fall in love with uh the person and you know what they have going on in their lives and that's where the real friendships are built so i i appreciate you saying that because you hit the you hit it right on the nail like that's who i am yeah i i'd like to think i'd like to think of a pretty uh perceptive person uh and, and that's something that gary v also and i used to follow him a lot more but he's also very much about that he kind of has this at least from how you know what he talks about and how he, he oh, sees yeah. oh yeah if you know if you know about gary v he uh he takes his salary um i think he takes like home one to two percent of the general cash flow like the net cash flow from his business which is pennies on the dollar relative to what he can be taking home like right, he, right, right. he's reinvesting everything he is the definition of an entrepreneur i think he's cool as hell and i hope i can learn the strategies he's taken to uh scaling properly and and properly um you know Id- identifying roles for people to take so they could take over what i've been doing it's very hard for me to do that i like to be so hands-on in so many ways i need to learn how to uh to be way more hands yeah and delegate more so he's it's hard. Yeah. It's hard, especially when you love every aspect because you're like, oh, I don't want to give that job to someone. I love doing it. Yeah. But ultimately, if you want to really, you know, I think this goes with anything. Somebody's got to take some of the workload or else you just find yourself way too, uh, you know, too flustered and you, you can't build the things that really matter in the business. Yeah. Well, you know, you'll, at some point something will remain stagnant. I mean, even if it grows, it won't grow, I guess, as much as it could. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel it. I I just hired one of my best friends from college. Um, He handles all of my management now. And uh, thank God I have him. I hired uh, a manager whose boots on the ground. She travels to every property, does daily videos. I've been incorporating software. And my view on money has completely changed because investing in the business itself is a fortune. You know, so you know, a few years ago, I'd be like penny pinching on every little thing. And today I realize like, I can't, you know, you hire somebody that's four to $8,000 a month. And you just keep hiring and hiring and hiring. All of a sudden your payroll is like $20,000 a week and you can't do anything about it because you need those people. Yeah. It's a massive expense. Oh Yeah. Dude, that's, you got to give yourself a lot of credit. Like, I'm going to be very fucking real with you, man. I am not somebody that gives compliments easily because I have pride and I never want to feel like a kiss ass or like a brown noser, but I do think that I'll give compliments when they're due. You know what I mean? So I've been complimenting you. Because for me, I just, it's so rare for somebody our age, because we're pretty much the same age, that has done what you're doing. And I'm so, I'm so into it myself. I want to build wealth. It's not just about money. And I'm not going to deny that I don't want a lot of money because I do. Yeah. But I want to build a, I want to be a developer as well. And I want to do, I want to do this because it excites the shit out of me. I love property. I love finance. And to see how, you know, let me, give me a second to articulate this. When you start, just like with anything else. And I feel, I, I remember you actually uh, did a clip on this and you talked about how important it is to just fucking jump and just do it. So when you started, start out in real estate, whether you're a realtor or a developer, there's that sense of, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And most people will just forget it altogether. But once you buy a property, you buy a few more, you know, you go through a 1035 and you just, you know, you keep foregoing the taxes and you, you know, no matter what method you use, whether it's the Burr method or something else, you start to realize that this is possible. I'm seeing it's working. I know what I have to do to grow my money exponentially and I'm just going to keep doing it and I'm going to find other methods, but 
so far this is working out. I'll, I'll keep doing this. And this, you know, things, this tree of knowledge and, and, and growth just continues to grow. And I, I just can't, this is what makes me wonder how the hell people just get regular jobs for their entire lives when things like this are available. It's nuts to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. At 1031, I just did my first one like six months ago. Just did my first 1031. That was an experience, too, and I learned a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're 100% right. You know, I have nothing against a, a regular job or a corporate job. I think it's a fantastic starting point. And I think you could be into it in your mid-30s um, and still do a, have a side hustle. I met a guy uh, a few years ago that started a magazine um, a digital and a paper magazine. He had, I kid you not, I kid you not, he had 27 employees and he still worked his Manhattan analyst job. He, was a, he had a job in Manhattan as an analyst, right, making a quarter million dollars a year. And on the side, he had a magazine business with 27 full-time employees. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing? I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I'm talking to him and I'm like, I just don't believe it. I had to see it with my own eyes to believe it. It took my breath away to see somebody stayed in his corporate job because he genuinely loved being an analyst and he couldn't see himself doing anything else other than being an analyst. And in, on the side, he has a full-time business with 27 full-time employees. Just unbelievable, really cool stuff. And that's, that's the type of people you meet uh, you know, when you're in these circles. You can meet them anywhere, Miami, New York, LA, but it's so key to really get to know those people and learn from them and understand how they do those things um because there's no excuses just like we've been talking about you cannot make i met this man you have a full-time corporate job from 6 a.m we're talking about till 3 p.m and then after that he goes to his business which he's got 27 employees i asked him when is he going to quit and he said probably when he reaches like 35 to 40 employees and i'm like i bet you said that when you had 10 employees and he said i'll reach 15 i'll reach 20 so i was so impressed by this person and uh and you're, you're totally right. I want to hear about what you do in, in Miami. You're in residential sales? I'm in residential. I, um, I want to do commercial as well. My ultimate goal is to, is to develop. I want, I want to own property. I want to do all that. You know, this is why I follow you a lot, because this is something that I want to get into. So, you know, yeah, right now I'm a realtor. I do the podcast. And those are my two primary things. The podcast is secondary. You know, it's not bringing any any money right now um you know hopefully it will be but regardless regardless i i love it and i think i mean usually when you love things that's you know generally the, the money tends to flow out tends to come after but uh whether it does or it doesn't i i genuinely love this and i get so much i gain so much knowledge from from our episode alone i mean there's just so much to learn from every single person and i i love the idea of thinking something and willing it into existence and manifesting it. And uh, for me, that started with, with my army experience. I, I might've told you, but I, I, I was a lone soldier. So, uh, so once I made that, made that jump and did that, because I, I didn't go and do it at 18. I did it at 22. In Israel? And I kept pushing it off and pushing it off. And finally I'd sat and I told myself, dude, stop bullshitting yourself you're going to be old one day and you're going to hate yourself for not doing it because this would have been a massive regret for me. Okay. Because I wanted to do it ever since I was a kid. So finally I said, fuck it enough. Just go and do it. And after three years of college, I just went with a very close friend of mine and we drafted and it was by far one of the most incredible experiences. I mean, some of the worst days of my life, some of the best days of my life, crazy, crazy experience. And I went back, finished my last year at Brooklyn college, got my degree did the cash advance thing, moved here. Now I'm in real estate, you know, decided to do the pod, the podcast and the real estate uh, career kind of started around the same time. So I'm pretty new to both, but um, I mean, I'm all in to both of them. Wait, and, you, you went to the Israeli army? Yeah. Aniloma, I mean. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, bro. As a gevel, I'm so impressed. So you really did. That's, that's a big move. Thank you, you took man. that leap. That's huge. Thanks, dude. I had a bodet, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, a year and a half. Wow, that's so cool, dude. That's so cool. Seriously, that's a big deal. Thank you, man. Appreciate you know, it. The only benefit you get realistically from being a chayal bodet or anything is experience. 
no money, you know, you don't get paid for school, none of that yeah, stuff. Just- I mean, if you make Aliyah, then they'll, they'll cover your college and all that. But I, I kind of told myself I was going to come back to America even before I drafted because I was yeah. too focused on business. You can make it there, but it's so much harder. You can make it anywhere. If, I mean, if you have it, you have it, but it's just the odds are so much more against you, and I love America, so I was like, ah. So, I love that you did that. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy you did that because that's, you know, that selfless love for Israel, I'm so about it. I love Israel. You know, I'm, I'm a big Israel guy. I'm, I'm going to eventually buy some properties over there. Even though it doesn't make sense, I'm going to buy it just because uh, I, I believe in Israel, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I want to do that too. I definitely want a house there. Definitely want a house there. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And living there is a different experience. One day I'm also going to have to take that leap and go. Uh, it's just for me, I don't you think... You want to live there at some point? Uh, I, I want a house there. I want to be back and forth. I love America, you know? Yeah. Um, my businesses are here and I like it here and I love Israel. So I want to have a place there. I want to be back and forth. But I'm always, I think I'll always be living uh, full time in America. Right. I got you. Yeah. So, you know, so as far as, you know, my army experience, you know, I was getting to, once I did that, once I took the leap and did that, I, I, I found a much, I mean, it made me a lot more confident. I was already a confident person, but that made me a lot more confident. It gave me a new identity. You know, it, it gave me, I earned a new, you know, I, you know, you can add a list of things to your repertoire. And, and I, the fact that I was able to put that as one of the things on my list just gave me a lot of pride. So then I was determined to add more things to that list. And I'm constantly determined to add more things to that list. Um, and if I was able to do that, I bring that confidence along with me in the other areas of my life and other, um, I'm thinking of the word, other um, The other new experiences, I, I, the word is on the tip of my tongue, but anyway, uh, you know, new things that I'm looking to accomplish, I just have that same attitude. I did that. I took a leap. I went to a different country. I, did, I had the experience. I can do this. I can do real estate. I can do a podcast. I see what I'm good at. I've, I've, you know, as I get older, I become more self-aware. And it's really just there's so many things that you have to be conscious of when you, you, know, you want to be successful in anything, and it's just – eliminating time wasters, truly being disciplined, not bullshitting yourself. If you know you're really only working three hours a day, but you're sitting in the office for 10 hours and only, and, and seven of those hours you're dicking around, really take the, take the time to s- sit back in your chair and ask yourself if you're really fucking working or if you're just sitting there staring at the wall. Are you going, when you get home at six o'clock, whenever you get home, are you sitting on t- and, and watching TV all day? Is the TV, is what you're watching actually educational or are you watching absolute nonsense? Are the friends you're hanging out with, they might be nice people, but are they helping you get to where you need to go? Yes, great. No, you might want to find new friends. And move, you know, and that's another thing that people can't really wrap their heads around. But I know yeah. them for 10, 12 years. I can't just stop. You can. They're going to hate you, but it's life. You can't, you can't have everything. Even I mean, if eventually, won't. eventually you kind of can. I believe you can really just have, you know, uh, you can you can be so. You know, there's this versatility, I guess, if you will, where you can just have, you know, wealth, good friends, good family, uh, you know, an, uh, an awesome wife, great in-laws, you know, you name it. I think you can, if you you're conscious of it, you can just have, you know, wealth in all forms. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, mean, I can talk about this all day because it gets me fucking crazy but um even if they don't hate you they won't hate you you know because there's a way to there's ways to not be really friends with people that aren't helping you become who you want to be it's like when somebody doesn't help me become who i want to be i kind of just disconnect i push away i don't have time for them anymore right. um, and a few people that's offended you know a, an old group of mine a group of friends of mine made a group chat and they're like alan you're uh you don't see the value in us, and so you're not a real friend. And I'm like, honestly, guys, I'm I'm friends with you all, and I love you all uh, as my friends. But if you can't help me, and I'm devoting myself to helping myself and building something special, then how do you expect me to make time for you? 
I'm not going to be in, into what we're doing. I'm not going to be involved. So I can't spend time with you. You know, so although we could say we're friends and we are friends and we grew up together and everything, if you're not benefiting me, you know, mentally, socially, financially, in any of these ways, then I just don't see myself spending time with you. I can't bring myself to do it. And if that hurts your feeling, I'm, I'm sorry. And a few of them, yeah. yeah, they got offended. A few of them genuinely got logic, if You're being completely logical and there's no emotion involved. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying you don't care about them, but you're looking after yourself, dude. I, I'm, there's a way to articulate it. And I think based on what you just said, they might have been a little upset with you, but they respect you for it. Lafi, I'm not, I'm not a selfish person, bro. I'm, I am like, if you are my friend and you need anything, I have construction crews, I have everything. I'll do it at cost for you. You know, my, one of my good friends and very good business partners. I mean, this guy has found me so many properties. It is mind blowing. This in the past six weeks alone, he's made $70,000 in commission just from me. This one guy, um, I love him to death. His name's Alan. He needs a new deck. He needs new windows. He needs all this stuff. He's all my guys at cost are working for him. Okay. I pay for insurance. I pay for t- income tax. I pay for their, uh, you know, I pay for their transportation, all that stuff. He'll cover that down to the cent. And if I'm over under 200 bucks or 300 bucks, because let's say it's $10,000 in labor, he got away with, uh, with a good friend, you know, like a good friend did a, a mitzvah. And that's because he's my friend and I look out for all of my friends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll take them off my own projects to put them with him just so I could help him um, for a week. And that's what friends do for each other. You know, when you're bringing each other up all the time, because I don't expect just to get, I give all the time, selflessly give all the time. That's awesome. You know, so it's, it's a two way street. Sure. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a level of selfishness. And I think it's important that, you know, people that are close to you, you know, they check you every now and then. I don't mean like, you know, they stand at your door and, you know, eyeball you, but they say, hey, man, you know, that yeah, it could be anything. You know, you haven't, I haven't seen you in a while, and this can be a friend that you, that you do work with or whatever the case may be. But uh, I don't want to misconstrue this for people and say, well, if you weren't helping me make money, then I have no time for you. But it's more so that I'm just so focused on what I'm doing. I'm not interested in really going out to clubs, not really interested in going out to bars. I, I do it. I enjoy them. But where I am right now, it's very much a secondary thing for me. And I have no problem foregoing it for the, for the time being. It may be the next couple of weeks. It may be, be a couple of months. But I just don't really do it. I, I don't do it because it's not making me happy. Real estate and podcasting may seem boring to other people. And I don't, I don't even think, I don't know if it is or it isn't, but you know, going out on a Saturday night is a lot more appealing to most people. But when you have a vision and you're, and you're, and you're seeking it out and you're doing things that are helping you get closer to it, it's so much more exciting than another night at it, you know, at some bar. So, Oh yeah. Unless, unless you need that night to disconnect. Right. So I'm going to tell you exactly what I told my buddy Marlon um, who I was on his podcast a few months ago, he, uh, he hits me up. He goes, Alon, do you want to be on my podcast? I go, get to my office. Let's go. Um, <laughs> so he comes to my office and we're on the podcast and we're talking about a very similar conversation. And I go, Marlon, I'll, I'll be honest with you, right? This is what your value is. This is the value you're providing. If you didn't ask me to be on your podcast, I wouldn't be sitting with you right now. I have absolutely no reason to to sit with you and go over things with you and talk business with you if it wasn't for this podcast. And honestly, right now, it's the same thing with you, Lafi, right? You said, I'm on my podcast. So I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. And uh, now this, we're having this conversation. I like you as a person. This, and this is our first real conversation for all the listeners. This is our first real convo. Before this, we have never really spoken about anything business-wise, anything, correct? I'm straight, 100%. So, so now I like you as a person. You're an awesome person. I hope you feel the same way about me. And if I ever come to Miami, you're going to be one of my first phone calls. Hey, let's hang out. I'm not working, right? I'm just having a good time. Or let me go see your listings or check out some properties here. And let's do some business together. Maybe you'll find me an apartment complex or a medical compound or something that I want to buy over there. And uh, if you come to New York, you could shoot me a text. I'll be like, come on down. You know, so this was your leverage. This is your way into anybody higher level, right? I'm not high level. I think I'm, 
you know, I'm just a normal person. I'm just trying to make it happen and do things. And, um, but there's a lot of big shots out there like Sirhan and all those guys. And uh, eventually he's going to answer you and this is your way in. So this is your value. And because of that, you're getting into places and doing things that you want to do and deal with people that you want to become and work with. So, uh, so I, you know, I'm, I'm impressed and I'm happy we spoke and, and this is, and it's all about providing value to somebody else. If I didn't make my investors money, why would they want to be around me? Why would they, they wouldn't be my friends. You know, they wouldn't want to talk to me. So uh, that's the value I provide for them. You providing, expanding people's audience and having good conversations together and getting people out of their box. So everybody has to provide some sort of value in order to get into places that they want to get into. 100%. I love that. I love what you said because it was so straightforward. If I didn't have a podcast, the likelihood of you and I connecting is pretty much slim to none. I don't think... We'd Wouldn't happen. I get 100 DMs a day now with only 7,500 followers. My cousin gets almost like 500 a day. So if you did not have this podcast, it would be a typical response, you know, like to most, to most people. But you, got, you provide value. You put in the work. You, you deserve conversations with good, hardworking people because you're giving them something that they want. Mm-hmm. This is exactly my thought process, man. I appreciate you saying it because it definitely helps reassure, reassure things for me. But uh, I don't know if I told you, 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 I, I definitely told you because I'm very, I'm looking forward to it. But did uh, I, I remember you posting something about UFC. So I know you're into MMA also. Yeah. I wrestled for a long time. I love wrestling. Oh, dope dude. So you, so, so with UFC, you know, Natan Levy. Yeah. I've heard, I've, I've heard of him, but he's an amateur, right? He's not a pro. He's, he just got signed to the UFC, dude. So he got his pro card? I don't know. I haven't seen him in a long time. He's from Israel. Yeah, yeah. But he, he lives in Vegas now. He's, he's new, but he, he's a great fighter. He's, you know, hopefully he's going to go very far. So I DM'd him, man, and I was persistent. A couple of times I hit him up, and he said, I'm busy, and I'm this, and I'm that. And then finally he agreed to do it. So we did a virtual episode last week. Is he a good guy? Seems like a really good dude, yeah. Very humble. Really? Yeah, I hope there's an Israeli that makes it far in the UFC. That would be awesome for us. There was Noad Lahat. There were there was another guy, Mati. I think it was like Mati Orenstein or something. That I wrestled uh, with all of them in Israel. What's up? I wrestled with all of them. When I go to Israel, I teach classes in Raganana. I teach wrestling classes. Oh, really? So I've rolled with Noad before. Yeah. Oh, that's sick! Wow. How'd you get in, How'd you get connected with him? Uh, I actually got invited when in Israel um, to a wrestling clinic and uh, and I went there and I taught a wrestling class for free of course I don't charge anything and because um, I'm not I don't think I'm that good either I just love wrestling and mm-hmm. and uh, and there's of course Israelis don't want to pay anything you know so <laughs> I, I went to Israel I taught a, a class at Ido Paliente's gym if you ever heard of it yeah I've heard of it so, yeah, so I teach classes there. Anytime I'm in Israel, I teach like two, three classes a week and just have a good time and wrestle with them. And I boxed for a few years, but I stopped. Um, I stopped uh, a few years ago. But wrestling, I genuinely love to wrestle. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I love, yeah, that's it. That's dope, dude. That's dope. I feel like we definitely have, we, I feel like we see eye to eye on a lot of things. So with... Uh, Are you train? What's up? You train? I mean, I did the I did Krav Maga in the army. It's not something you can really compete with. Uh, I definitely, I definitely used it in my life, and I'll I'll tell you off of the podcast how because I don't really want to talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. Um, but I'm not. I didn't really do MMA. I uh, did karate when I was a kid, but it was a joke. Oh. You know, bullshit. You know, whatever. In Israel, nobody knows how to wrestle. They're all judo, jujitsu, or like you know, kickboxing. So I beat the shit out of them wrestling. All the best wrestlers, Noad, Ido, all of them, like the best fighters, uh, will go takedowns. I, I gave them a king of, the, king of the mat round at the end of every practice, and it was so funny. Everybody loves it, you know, just, just grinding out, just hardcore rolling and mm-hmm. uh, training. And I, I love Israel and the Israelis and the mentality too because that discipline that they have over there, you know, I took it over from wrestling here and from my Israeli lifestyle here. 
Um, and it's so necessary when you pointed out discipline before, it's so necessary to, uh, to everything, to every aspect of life um, to get ahead. Israelis are natural salesmen. They, they, they're aggressive people. They, there are a lot of immigrants that come to America and have this shyness because they don't really speak the language. They don't really know about American culture. For some reason, Israelis just don't give a shit. Yeah. They, come, they come to America, no matter where they live, and they just have this feeling where, I finally have opportunity, I'm going to take everything. And they just yeah. come and they just, they just feel like everything is theirs now. You know, and it's just, an, it's, yeah. it's an unbelievable thing. They do the agalot after the army, they're in the, they're in the mall, and they're just, anyone that walks by, I remember when it, before, like way before I, I went to the army, I was probably around 16, and, uh, I didn't even know that a lot of these people in Kings Plaza were Israeli. I just saw like darker skinned people. I didn't know where the hell they were from. You know, you just assume they're out of the country. And I remember just ha- seeing one guy, like an older dude in his twenties and he calls some girl over and he goes, Hey, beautiful. Come here. She's like, no. Okay. Thanks. Come here. Gorgeous. Come here. And she walks over. She felt she was shy. You know how she just pulled her in. And he starts, he, he must have done this a thousand times, but he starts going along, he takes her hand and he starts putting the cream and he goes, it's good, right? And I was standing on the sidelines and I was like, they are so good at this shit. Amazing, they're amazing. Because most people are way too shy to do that. They yeah. don't, there's no thought process. They don't even think about it. It's yeah, second nature, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. They're second to none, the Israelis in sales. I mean, it's <sighs> much more I wish. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of Israelis that I, that I do real estate with here, and it's, just, it's, it's awesome. Now, in, in, so you're, sell, you're in Miami. You're selling in Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do a little bit up north, too. I'll do, like, Fort Lauderdale, and, but it's essentially Miami, yeah. And you're a brand-new agent. Yeah, 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 I'm fresh. But I, I think uh, I'm, I'm, I really believe in myself, man. I really think I, I'm going to go very far. Good. So why Keller Williams? As a new agent, I, I love how this kind of switched. I feel like I'm being interviewed. I love it. I, uh, I liked Keller Williams due to the interview I had with them. I, did, I went with Element initially, but it felt too corporate for me. And I knew that I was going to do my podcast anyway. And when I was interviewed, the person that interviewed me kind of mentioned that, you know, I, I'm going to say the person because I don't, just in case I don't want that person to be any chance that like whatever. So that person was saying how the company doesn't want uh, politics involved or anything like that, which I get. I'm not really a political person, but there are things in a podcast that are controversial I'm going to talk about. So as soon as I heard how corporate it was, I said, I'm not interested in this because I don't want to feel choked and restricted. I can go get a corporate job if that's the case. So then I went to Keller Williams. I had an interview. I met with this guy and Awesome dude. Clicked with him immediately. I know Keller Williams is the biggest company in America. They're also the most profitable. So I said, as a new agent, it just makes sense. I said, once I'm already experienced and I have say two years or, you know, once I'm a broker already, I can then decide to continue working for them or you know, work for someone else or open my own thing. But ultimately they have so much, they've been around for so long and they're such a successful company. They have so much coaching. They have so much marketing there are a lot of things that are just free where if you go to some mom and pop real estate company, they don't have the funds to be able to provide those things to a new agent. You know what I mean? So for me, it just made sense. There's no way to know. It could be I'd do better at Compass. could be I'd do better at Element. There's no way to really know. I'm not going to start jumping to different companies every month. At the end of the day, I know it's mostly me. Most of whether I do well or not, I would say 90% of how well I do is just a matter of how much I give a shit. And the rest is all, is all it matters, but it's much less of a factor. Are you part of any teams? So no, I'm, I work as a single agent. The, the team leader in, in my office didn't think I needed to be. He thinks, you know, just based on having the conversation, he was very confident that I can do it myself. So instead of having a team, there are these two coaches that, that help me. And I'm very, very, uh, aggressive with talking to them and a lot of the new agents honestly are not working so and that's that's most most people in general but especially in sales most people aren't really you know doing what they're supposed to so 
there must be about 40 plus new agents that have joined in the past couple of months. The one of the coaches that I spoke to, I, I asked her and she told me, she's like, there's maybe eight to 10 of you that are actually working. So in reality, they're not really taking up as much of my time because most of them aren't really doing much and they're not even talking to me. So, and I'm sure out of those 10, I'm probably working more, you know, that's just, that's just how it is. So I'm very aggressive. I'm always making sure that if I need a, uh, I have a question that she answers it. And if she's not available, I'll, I'll go to anyone else. I'll go to a more seasoned agent. And if he's not available, I'll go to a, a girl who's available. I'll literally hit people up until somebody is able to get to me. You know, I don't wait three days for an answer. So I'm always networking. I'm always connecting with people that are much better than me. And I don't really, I don't really talk to a lot of the newer agents because most of them work from home if they work. And I got an office immediately in the office, like a month into starting, I paid uh, monthly for an office because I knew that being in the office environment with the other agents would be a much better predicament to be in because it would push me to work harder. Are you in in the office right now? No, I don't work on Shabbat. Okay. Me either. I mean, I'm doing this podcast. I guess you could say it's work. I mean, I'd like, I'd like to say it's not, I mean, maybe it will be at some point, but the fact of the matter is, I don't, I just don't have time to do it. Otherwise I just don't. This, I don't, I don't consider this work. I think this is fun. And, uh, and you know, just conversations just to happens to be on a recording, you know, yeah. <laughs> have to be recorded, yeah. but it's all, it's all, it's all semantics, soothing semantics. Yeah. It's a gray area. So what, what, uh, price points do you focus on? I just got an appointment for a seven, seven point three. $7.3 million house. And I think it was really valued at 5.8 based on the CMA I did. And uh, this woman who I work with has been in real estate for 11 years. She's a top producing agent in, in the office. She does phenomenally. And we did a, I had, I asked her to get on a zoom with me and do a CMA on her end. And she did a much more thorough CMA than I did. And, you know, she, she's teaching me how to really do a proper CMA. So we ended up coming to around the same price point anyway. So I did it right, but she like she really did it properly. She just went a lot more in depth and looked at a lot more things than I did. I didn't even know what to look for. So ultimately, we came to that price point. And then I said, listen, I've never worked on a house this size. I'm, you know, I'm new, so why don't we partner up? I don't mind going half and half. The likelihood of this closing with you helping me out and you partnering up with me is a lot higher and I'll learn in the process. And she's like, yeah, sure. You know, she, in the beginning, you know, she, whatever, she's like, you know, I don't live as close, as close to the house as you do, but I'd be happy to, to help out with it. So I called the owner again. I went to the house to, to meet with him the first time. I didn't bring the listing agreement. That's kind of how I've been taught to do it. You go the first time and just, you know, you meet with them and you don't want to push it too hard because you never know what their intentions are. The, you know, the second time around, you hopefully bring enough value that they're willing to work with you. So the, so I, I called the owner to make another appointment and he said he ended up signing with his realtor that he worked with in the past. And that realtor helped him sell a $16 million house in, on Star Island. Wow. So this woman that I partnered up with, she actually researched the guy and found this info before I even called. So when he told me that he was signing with this realtor, I knew exactly what he was talking about because my, because my colleague did that research and, and showed me on screen share on Zoom that you know, that was the case. So I knew that the odds were against me before I made the call. So you know, I learned a lot of just, the deal didn't work out. It, she might price it too high. I'm, you know, maybe the realtor will price it at six, you know, the mid sixes or even the low sevens and maybe it'll expire and I'll grab it. Maybe. Likelihood is it won't. Likelihood is she knows what she's doing and will price it correctly. But who knows? Regardless, I'm going to follow up with him, see how he's doing. I'm definitely going to connect with him and be a friend of his because quite obviously he's doing very well for himself. And we, we built great rapport. He's, he's uh, half Israeli, half Italian. So I'm, and I'm not Israeli, but I'm, you know, I was, you know, the army and all that. So 
I'm Jewish and Italian as well. So we had that great rapport and we, we connected. And uh, so based on that, whether I get the business or not, you never know where I can go. So that was a great experience. And I learned a lot from it. I learned a multitude of things. Not to, I mean, I've been in sales before, so I know what it feels to lose a deal. So I'm used to that already. Um, and I just understood, okay, this wasn't meant to be. You know, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm new. I, I wasn't able to show enough value. She already worked with him on the home, on the, on the previous home. She lives five minutes away from this house now. She's got a lot more value than I do. So I just, I can, I'm not going to go to his door and get on my knees. I mean, like, it is what it is. So, <laughs> so it is what it is. You know what I mean? So, you know, at least I gained a lot from it. I know what I, I know how to hopefully do more to get the listing in the future. If I have anything of this size, I'm going to go to my colleague immediately and, you know, do the work on it. And hopefully she'll come with me on the first appointment. You get what I'm saying? So this way there's a higher likelihood of getting it at all. And, you know, that's really what it is. So you're trying to go in that ultra luxury route. I mean, it came along because it was on, it was just one of my cold calls. But uh, yeah, for sure. Because, you know, I've been doing some research on YouTube about what it takes to work with luxury. And I've several people kind of said the same thing. They said a lot of people don't get into luxury because they are afraid of making those connections. They grew up in a more, in a poorer environment. They see wealthy people as the elite and there's just this wall there and they're, they're afraid to connect with them because they see them as like better than them. And mentally I don't have that thought process at all. It really makes no difference to me. I can go and talk to a billionaire and I wouldn't have this insecure kind of like, oh, hello, Mr. Billionaire. I'd be like, hey, how's it going? I've, you know, I've, I've read about you. Hey, Warren, you know, I'm so impressed with your work. Can we sit down and have a conversation? But it wouldn't be like, oh, hello, sir. Uh, can, I, can I give you a... <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah that, was, that was going a little, was going a little gay there. But anyway, <laughs> point is, there wouldn't be any brown nosing. You know what I mean? I have enough self-respect where... I think even if I know I have a lot less money in my bank account, I can still level with them and, and they would respect me for it. I think that's very important. So for me, it's just, if I have an opportunity, I grab it. I jump in the water. I'm not going to, I'm not here to dip my feet in and, and, and decide whether I'm interested. I'm, I go in. If I lose it, I lose it. If I win it, I win it. But I'm that much closer to getting what I want. What the fuck do I have to lose? You know what I mean? What the, what, what is the big deal? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't get why people are so worried about it. I mean, I get it, but I don't, it's not a thing. You know what I mean? And we all have our, we all have our fears to some degree, but I remember you were talking about this. You did a clip on, on fear. Yeah. You know, you mentioned how it's just, uh, it, uh, the more things you're afraid of, the more you will be, uh, it'll, it'll inhibit you from getting things done. So, Definitely. I would, yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm more so asked because uh, closing those deals is much more difficult. Like with, uh, there's always that, real estate's very generational. So there's always that generational factor where like you don't have that. You don't have a, or I don't know, but I'm assuming you don't have a very wealthy dad that's friends with all these people and my son's a realtor. So I have no money in my family, man. Honestly, I have, there's no one in my, and maybe on my dad's side, but I don't know that side. So, so no my Jewish side, like has any kind of business. They all just to take got careers and they're wonderful people, but there's no wealth in my family. It's the no. same way I grew up, same exactly me and David grew up. But what I was, what I'm, uh, you know, what I was getting at with that is maybe luxury isn't the right route for you because, because not only because of that, right? Because you're, you want to make a lot of money and you want to do it fast and do well and hustle all the time. And luxury is very nepotism based and uh, generational based. Although I'm not saying don't do it because it doesn't, it doesn't matter to you who you meet or what you do. You just, you know, you want the business. So you're open and you'll have those conversations. It's like, you know, there's nothing wrong with short sales. David, my cousin David's in the half a million to $2.5 million range. He hasn't done anything more than that, really, because he's been working on so much volume. So David gets higher higher returns, right? Higher uh, percentages on the deals. Um, he gets tons of exclusives on buildings that are selling out for $6 million, But every unit's between half a million to $2.5 million. 
Those are his ranges. Um, Wait, David mainly works as an agent because you both, I mean, you both own property, right? Yeah, but David, David, like he's flipping, uh, David's flipping a few houses, um, but he's, he's primarily an agent. That's mostly what he does. He sold this year. We spoke the other day, I think two days ago, he told me he's on, he's about to hit a hundred million dollars in sales this year. Um, yeah. And, uh, and he's 26. David just turned 26. So, uh, he works on, you know, he works in that small range. He doesn't go for ultra luxury listings because that's not his specialty. I have a short sale office. Almost nobody knows this about me because I never talk about it or flaunt it. I run a short sale office here in New York. Uh, it, and that's a place that I get a lot of my deals from. Um, anything that I'm not interested in, I hand off to uh, somebody else or I'm not part of that transaction. The agents or the, uh, the um, office manager handles it and reaps the benefits from it. Um, so I'm considering opening one also in Florida. I've been considering one opening one, you know, and I'm in the bottom of the bottom. I'm with short sales, you know, like 150 to $500,000 range is my bread and butter. I've been buying deals from 200 to, uh, 2 million. That's my deal size right now. I'm working up to 5 million. Um, and I'm doing a project around 15 million right now. Um, but it's not like, you know, I'm not taking, I, I next week I close on a $200,000 deal. You know, that's, it's going to be my smallest deal to date, but there's no reason I shouldn't take that because it all, it just makes sense to me. So my, I guess my advice to you would be you're in Miami, you're in that hot area where everything's very expensive and that high end and everything. But if you need somebody to tag along with you, or you want somebody to tag along with you to make you more comfortable and all of that, um, I'd probably stay away from that right now. I'd go after something you could do volume and make a ton of money and uh, not only get your feet wet, but fucking soaked, you know, so you could be an absolute behemoth. At the end of the day, don't forget where you're from. You know, you're an Israeli. Israelis work, you know, so it, you're putting in the work, you're doing these right things. Um, ultra luxury in Miami, I would not want to be competing with the Alexander brothers. They have all the upper hand. I wouldn't want to be competing with Holly and uh, all those massive players. Out. I saw that, dude. It's insane what they bring. And the, the Alex, yeah, the Alexanders are just, you can't even like, you can't not notice them because they're just yeah. everywhere. I wouldn't compete with them over there. I just wouldn't because they, you know, I've met people that have helped me grow a lot um, that have told me 20 years ago that Alexander's father gave them an opportunity. And because he gave them that opportunity, everything they do, any sales they do, go to the Alexander brothers. Um, he, they have a huge leg up. It seems like their dad is a big developer. He is. He is. And how can you compete with that? You know, but don't, don't get me wrong. He's a big developer, but they put in the work. Like if they bring in a buyer and they have the sales side, right? They get the sell side, but they didn't even list it. They're bringing the buyers. They're doing their job. That seller, that buyer has nothing to do with their dad. You know, because otherwise here, their dad wouldn't be paying them their commission. He's more of the starting point. I think it just, you know, he helped put them up and then they had to do the work. Yes. They're very, very good at what they do. They live an incredible lifestyle. Because of that, they bring in all these people. They play the game and they live the game. And because of that, they're so successful. And I think they're cool as hell. Um, but I would not. What? You met them? No, never met them before. I've, uh. I've uh, ran I DM'd into one of them. I DM, I'm going to do the same thing with one. Uh, you know, I'm going to get one of them also eventually. I think they're cooler than Sirhan, personally. Why do you say that? Because they're just so cool. You know, they right. travel the entire world. Nothing is off limits for them. And they've built a tremendous team. And, uh, and they're number one in the country right now in sales. Um, all from all while living the dream. Like they live that life, you know. And, uh, and because of that, all those people keep wanting to be part of it and they give them more and more and more. They're doing incredible things. Incredible That's things. the beauty of life, by the way. It's like when people see you're doing well, people who can't bring any value will just hate on you. But people who can share in that will just pour more into you. They're like, oh, you're doing so well. Do, do more well, even though it doesn't make sense. You know, have some more wellness. Go, go, go do more shit. You know, and it's like... I have so I have such an abundance already, but sure, okay, cool. And I yeah. think as long as you're giving back, and you know, God has a great way of rewarding people like that. So Good. I, I'm happy for them. I hear what you're saying; it's very sound advice. I, I think for me, 
I just don't want to give up an opportunity and I'm not saying that I'll ever be at that magnitude. Um, I already have such a, you know, it would take me so long to get there. I don't need to have that kind of, um, I would really, once I can build enough wealth to start to buy property and, you know, and flip and burr properties and do things like that, I would start to do that a lot. So I don't need to be the top agent or have the top team in the country or even close to it. I just need to have a structure that works for me. And because, because of what you're saying, that's why I'm giving you that feedback because you're saying, I want to burr properties. I want to buy properties and flip them and build up the ladder. You should not be in ultra luxury because to burr properties, you need to be in the two to $700,000. Right. I just, I just want, honestly, bro, I have this, and I know it sounds kind of funny to say this, but I see these, you know, multi-million dollar homes sold on traded and I just, I want my face on traded. So, uh, folks, we're recording an episode. Unfortunately, it cut out towards the end. So Alona and I wanted to make sure to finish it off with a proper, uh, proper outro. So, uh, Alone, I appreciate you coming on to the episode. Hi. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Rafi. I know we've been trying to make this outro happen for a bit. And uh, it is what it is. It was a great podcast. I really appreciate the invitation. And I wish you much success in the future, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. To you as well. Hopefully, I'll be having uh, Anton on as well. And uh, I will be in New York in mid-March. So hopefully, we will uh, we'll meet then. Reach out. Yeah, definitely. Let me know. Antoine's mm-hmm. awesome too. You guys will do uh you'll have a phenomenal podcast with him. The guy's brilliant. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward. Sick. All right. So I'm gonna get back to it. You get back to it and uh we'll be in touch. Talk to you, Alfie. Bye.